SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen this week. Taking my place on the science couch is the thing that is not me, a very special guest. It's a Trace Dominguez. Hello! Trace uh, is of the YouTube series Uno Dos of Trace, which you can find at youtube.com slash Trace Dominguez. Can you spell your name for me? It is T-R-A-C-E and then D-O-M-I-N-G-U-E. Z. Uh, thank you for coming. <laughs> I've been watching you on YouTube for many years. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, this is exciting. I've I've never uh, tangented with y'all. I'm yeah, excited to go on to, tangents. To, to make a thing with you. Yay. Yeah. Trace, what's your tagline? Stickers are great. Uh, oh, Ooh. glad you like a... Did we provide you with a sticker? I got a SciShow Sci sticker and I'm really excited <laughs> yeah, about it. We have also SciShow Tangent stickers that oh, are yeah. available oh, at dfgba.com. Designed by Hiroka Matsushima. And we're also joined on the Science Couch by Sari Riley. Hello, Sari. Hello. I'm here too. <laughs> How are you feeling about today's topic? Oh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm a little bit nervous. This is something that I paid a lot of money to get a piece of paper to say that I know it. So, <laughs> you better know it. I better know it. Sorry, what's your tagline? Just a floating head. 
Oh, yeah. Which is a visual joke. Sorry, shirt is exactly the same color as the couch, so we are all a little bit thrown off. <laughs> Just imagine what color the couch is. Pick your favorite color. You people yeah. have, everyone knows. It's it's canon. The science couch is yellow. Is it yellow? If they're no, true it? HFS fans yeah, from back no. in the day, they know what color the couch you know, is. You know, Sam also matches the couch that he's on. A little That's bit. True. He's sort of not a floating head. He's like, like partially invisible. Yeah. Partial camo. Like predator camo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need some leaves on the couch, too. And then <laughs> <laughs> right in. Sam Schultz is also here. Hi, Sam. Hello. What are you working on these days? I'm working on the SciShow Science Kits Universe Unboxed is what they're called. Ooh. Yeah, and you can order them online. Universeunboxed.com. Boom. I believe. That's wow. so exciting. Yeah, yeah. And there's videos that go along with it so you can see how the experiments work. Yeah, you can see Hank getting goofy in a lab coat. It's been really fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Stefan is, oh, sorry, what's your tag on? Just a floating butt. <laughs> <laughs> together we make a human. Yeah. Yep. No, a butt and a head together does not make a human. <laughs> yeah, you connect them. Those there's are, two holes. That's a lot of the important oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah you've got true. the digestive system is complete. <laughs> yep. That's all you need. Uh, Stefan, hi. How are you? Hello. I'm doing all right. Where should I get new shoes? That's a strange question, Hank. <laughs> uh, I have really wide feet, so I have to order large shoes. Oh. Do you have a smashed pinky toe? My t- pinky toe is all squished. I have a squishy my, pinky yeah, toe. My yeah. pinky toe nail is like a disaster. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a joke. I look at it like, <laughs> why are you here? Yeah. What is your purpose? I don't know how to trim it, so I just like grab it and pull it off. Yeah, and then you're like, did I get <laughs> all of it? I don't know. This is all me, too. Sari <laughs> <laughs> is, is horrified. <laughs> the rest of us are like, yes, exactly. <laughs> Just pull off your toenail and expect me to accept that as like, yes, this is a grooming thing that I do. Remove big chunks of my body. It doesn't feel like anything. It just comes no, out. Yeah, yeah. Just what the heck? Barely hanging on. Yeah, yeah barely hanging on. <laughs> no. Is that your tagline, Stefan? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I am Hank. I'm really excited to tangent today. I don't have to do anything except host. I can't win, but I didn't have to prepare any science facts. Yeah, you which can't seems lose. Like a great deal to me. You can't lose either. I can't lose. That's my tagline. Hank Green, can't lose. (laughs) All right. Every week here on Tangents, we get together. We try to one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, and we're also playing for Hank Bucks. We tend to go on tangents sometimes. If we deem a tangent unworthy, we will take away one of your Hank Bucks, and you can go negative. Now, as always, we are introducing this week's topic was the traditional science poem this week from Sam. You may know mutants as people who shoot optic blasts or can read people's minds or can run really fast. Mm -hmm. But my friend, you are wrong. The reality is mutations are everywhere. I'm telling you this. (laughs) (laughs) The reason your cat has a cute, squishy face is because of slow DNA changes to the whole feline race. Mm -hmm. It's why spiders spin webs and newts have cold blood. It's why sloths do whatever it is that sloths does. (laughs) All these... Things you could have just changed <laughs> to find a better rhyme, but you didn't. Like what? I don't know anything. You, you, the nukes have cold blood. Many animals have many traits. <laughs> you could like why? Uh, why like sloths have the fuzz? This is an unprecedented interruption of the time. Fart. <laughs> All these changes in time slowly add up and become every living thing ever. Like every single one. <laughs> But while that is profound and amazing, I will have to admit, 
I still wish I could fly or shoot claws out of my mitts. So, Sari, our topic is mutation. Uh, what is that? It's genetics. So yeah. genetic mutations are when DNA gets changed permanently in some way. And DNA is important because it codes for RNA, which codes for proteins, which make up all the like the functions that all your cells need to survive. To so, do the things. To do the things that Made make you proteins. human. Yeah. yeah. Um, and DNA codes for all that. That's why mutations can change the way that things look or act or uh, the way their cells act because a small change in DNA can cause a change in a protein, which changes a whole system. If, if it's on purpose, though, is that a mutation? Like if I intentionally change mm. a genome, is that a mutation? So you can intentionally introduce what's known as a mutagen, which okay. is a compound or something like radiation that can mess with DNA and cause a random change. But I think mutations are inherently random changes to DNA. And right. if you insert a gene to a specific spot that you mark and like use genetic engineering techniques, that's genetic engineering. Not that's mutation. not mutation. Mutation is has to be random. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. And it can either be like one DNA base, so... I don't know, you have ATGC, and if you swap one letter out for another, that's like a point mutation, and that happens all the time. We're, our, our cells are constantly mutating. Yeah. We have a lot of point mutations going on all the time. Sometimes those affect the way a protein forms, and sometimes they do nothing because it's already in a non-coding region of DNA, so we don't really care. Um, or it can be a whole chunk of a chromosome that gets swapped out or mixed around or... Right like part of a gene. And when bigger things happen, that those are usually when bigger phenotypic changes happen or things like systems break right. because mm. a gene breaks and yeah. you needed like that to see. a whole hunk of stuff either got taken out or got shoved in and the protein is like, I'm going to be different now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or like entire genes could be copied multiple times and sometimes that adds a lot of function to it. Sometimes that does nothing and you just have a bunch of copies of the same gene. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, this is interesting, you'll have the same, like a slightly different copy of the same gene and that protein will be very similar but but somewhat different. And that will allow for, for example, animals that can exist at multiple different temperatures often have multiple copies that code for a different protein that's basically the same, but works better, but like actually works at a high temperature and one that works at a low temperature. Mm. Oh, that's cool. All right, it is now time for one of our panelists has prepared three science facts for our education and enjoyment, but only one of those is real, and the rest of us have to guess which one is the real one, and if we get it right, we get a Hank Buck. If we don't, then this week, Stefan will get that Hank Buck. Stefan, do you have three mutation facts for me? I sure do. Can you tell me what they are? Yes, I can. Fact number one. Several populations of humans who have lived at extreme elevations for thousands of years have mutations that help them survive there uh, in places where there can be as much as 40% less oxygen than at sea level. But if you go below sea level, oxygen is also much less available to us. But Jao people in Southeast Asia who spend much of their time fishing underwater have a similar mutation, which mm. gives them an increase level of hemoglobin in their blood, allowing them to store more oxygen and dive for over three minutes while holding their breath. Oh, this is a good fake fact. I like that fake. Ooh. That's a good one. Number two. There are people with a mutation that has been linked to low bone density, but a different mutation of the same gene can also cause extremely high bone density, Ooh. making their bones seemingly unbreakable. Mm. One downside to this mutation, though, is that these people can't go swimming because their unusually <laughs> dense bones cause them to sink. <laughs> Oh. Okay. 
Okay, great fake fact. I like that one. That's very good. Uh, fact number three. 38 members of a single family living in a small town in Italy have been found to have a genetic mutation that can be traced back to a single family member that was born in 1780. The mutation has been linked to significantly lower rates of lung cancer, so all of them are heavy smokers. <laughs> and some of them being in their 80s and 90s, none of them have gotten lung cancer yet. Uh, also, I, that, so I feel like I've heard about a weird Italian family, for sure. <laughs> I don't remember what it was that was weird about them. I feel like there's so many stories of this one mutation is just this family, and so yeah. they do this thing. I don't know. Yeah. Like they're, I think I read something about HIV mm-hmm. resistance in mm-hmm. certain families or like groups of people that yeah. they got were resistant to the plague, I think. Um, oh, yeah. like the same people were resistant to the plague and to HIV? Yeah, and oh, I don't know how that. those things are connected, because one's a virus, one's a yeah. bacteria infection, but... Okay, so I'm going to ask you about this Italian family and their lung cancer. Okay. Why, like, just because I'm not going to get lung cancer doesn't mean I'm going to smoke. Yeah, I like yeah, that you no. presented it like they, they, they smoke like, because of course, of now that you know you're... <laughs> well, like, I mean, but also it's obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe they just think like, oh, we seem to li- live a long time regardless right. of what we do, so we might as well uh, do all the bad things Things right. that we enjoy. I'm just speculating. Do but. they also just like eat like sticks of butter? Yeah. Let me I go ask them do. real quick. I'll shoot them an email. <laughs> yeah. I would do that. Eat, eat butter? butter. Or if email I knew that it was fine, I would eat. I feel like if I knew that oh. I wasn't going to get lung cancer from smoking cigarettes, I would still just vape. I don't vape. <laughs> Wait, actually, vape. Wow, dude, I didn't know you're that cool. <laughs> Everybody looked at me really hard. <laughs> there was a lot of silence there. So what were the other ones? So also, yeah, to to do the things. We had humans in Southeast Asia, number one, who can dive longer because they have more hemoglobin in their blood. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen like a documentary on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've definitely I seen these like divey people. A pretty they, video of some dude yeah, walking oh, yeah. along on the bottom. Yeah, of the, people who are know. good at diving and there's a reason they're good at diving. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely a thing. Yeah. We also have high bone density people who have nigh unbreakable. What was the word you used? <laughs> Seemingly unbreakable. Seemingly unbreakable <laughs> bones. Okay, I have a point of Deliberately order. vague. Uh, but, I have never broken sink. a bone. Oh. And I am terrible at floating in water. Have can you, you swim at all? I can swim quite well, but I okay. have to swim. I can't float. All the like floating ah. tests, I can't do it. I always sink. So And you sink. And I sink. So this maybe this is real. I don't know. I have decided... I am an Italian family of 38 people who like to smoke cigarettes. Oh, wow. That's nice. You are? Just I, you. I am. Well, <laughs> know that about you. <laughs> I'm going to go with bones because I have broken a bone and I float really easily. So, <laughs> Opposite of Trace, uh, using these two data points, so that's my guess. I feel like that's all you need in science is two data points. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, totally. totally. I got a good gut twinge about the, uh, the diving people. It sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Sounds real. I think I heard it before. Yeah, same. That's, that's I feel it. like that documentary video just keeps playing in my head. It's like two seconds long. Yeah. <laughs> like a gif. And or it's like gif, the sun's filtering through the judge. ocean and someone's swimming to yeah, the bottom. definitely. And they're so saying, I'm going to go yeah. Yeah. divers. Okay. Stefan. The real fact was the bones. The bones! Oh, that seems extra fake. No, it was extra real. <laughs> just a normal amount of Can real. They, so you said they can't swim. Yeah, so... Uh, they all seem to be related, uh-huh. and they discovered it because the one guy got into a car crash and, like, didn't break any bones. I assume it was a bad enough car crash that they would have expected him to break bones. Mm-hmm. And then they sent him to a bone doctor, and he was like... Bone doctor? <laughs> what happened The bone doctor me? was like, hey, you've got bones that are eight times denser than normal. That's eight weird. Eight times denser than normal? Yeah. That is what? a lot. 
So they ended up tracking down all these people, and there's like, uh, I don't know how many, but there's a bunch of them that seem to be related, have this same mutation, and they all have super dense bones. None of them have broken a bone in their lives, uh, and one of them could not get a hip replacement because they weren't able to screw the prosthetic into that person's hip. Wow. Yeah, it's very weird. Uh, That is cool. And the guy who got into a car accident uh, said that he could not swim and always sunk. I mean, uh, I, that's really <laughs> dense. Eight times. That's a lot. That's Were the other so? But tell so, me about my Italian family. So they're this real, was, right? Uh, their Italian families are real. <laughs> <laughs> Fact. And but I, it's like based on an article from 1994 in the LA Times uh, that was about an Italian family of 38 people who had a mutation that made them resistant to heart disease. Uh, okay. And they were all smokers, or almost all smokers for some reason, uh, but they, <laughs> mostly they were like eating... Yeah, like, smoking does cause heart disease. Yeah, that's true. But also lung cancer? Yeah, that's more more of the that risk. Seems, yeah. yeah. So it doesn't really make sense, but they had like terrible diets and were like taking advantage of this They're living, mutation. living life for the fullest. It so it was, real, it was real, at least according to a 1994 article in the LA Times. Yeah, yeah. which I didn't verify. So who knows? <laughs> but I was making fact. it up. So yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Stuff I said about the people living in high, high elevations is true. At least for the people who live in the Andes, they have more hemoglobin. Uh-huh. Um, people who live on like the Tibetan plateau and, and other places don't. It's like a different way that they cope with high elevation. Hmm. But the Bajau people in Southeast Asia, uh, the way that they cope with diving for a long period of time is by having larger spleens, up to 50% larger. Oh. So it turns out that for, for humans, just in general, you have in your spleen like a bunch of extra blood. And then in response to diving without equipment, right. one of the things your body does is squeeze all that blood out into the circulatory system <sighs> so that you can... I think part of it is maintaining the pressure inside like your, your lungs. And then part of it is... Uh, just so that you have more oxygen. Yeah, because it specifically stores oxygenated red blood mm-hmm. cells, right? So oh. it's like you have that extra store that doesn't need to flow through your whole body. It's just there, ready, squish out into your blood system. Yeah. Little blood I honestly didn't know what the spleen was for. I think it does I other stuff, it was a too. organ that cartoons made up. That sounds like a funny thing that they made up. Yeah. Know. Next up, we've got the fact off. But first, a word from our sponsors. Slasher Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money, a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I said it before, and I'll say it again. It's a subscription-based world out there. Video games, art-making programs, food delivery services, these things, they all have dang subscription services to subscribe to. And I don't want to cast aspersions? Dispersions? Aspersions. One of those. Aspersions. But... It does seem like part of the subscription uh, business model is to get you to subscribe to something and then hope that you lose track of everything you subscribe to and just keep forking out 10 bucks a month until the sun mm-hmm. burns out. And you know yeah. what? That's actually a pretty good idea on their part, but it's not such a good idea for your wallet. Your money is like a bean. <laughs> <laughs> You want to plant it in fertile soil. You don't want people carving off pieces of your bean all the time. Yeah, that yeah. bean's not going to grow if there's there's a constant drain on the on bean. The bean. Yeah. That 
<laughs> is where Rocket Money comes in. With Rocket Money, you can see all your subscriptions in one place, decide what you do and don't want, and cancel things with just a tap. Rocket Money will even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money. And beyond... I mean, beans and beyond subscription canceling <laughs> rocket money helps you build budgets, track your spending and more. There's all kinds of ways to take care of those beans. So they grow into a nice big bean plant. It has over 5 million users and ha- it helps save members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. What would you do with 720 beans? I'd buy more beans, <laughs> <laughs> different kind of bean, I guess a cheaper more of a cheaper type you buy cheaper beans with your expensive beans (laughs) yeah until i had an infinite amount of the cheapest bean you could possibly have (laughs) subscription (laughs) companies hate this one simple trick because you figured out their plot and now you can use that money for beans instead stop wasting (laughs) money on things you don't use and start using money on things like beans cancel your (laughs) unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents that's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. Welcome back, everybody. We got our Hank Buck totals for you. Sarah, you have one Hank Buck. Trace, you got nothing. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. Me too. It's okay. Stefan, you got three. Cleaning it up. Raking it in. Hit me with it. Sam's cup. One. Do you have anything to say about that? That's about as many as I normally have. All right. So I'm very excited for Stefan to be so far in the lead. Me too. Oh, man. (laughs) Now it is time for our fact off, where two of our panelists have brought science facts to present to the others in an attempt to blow their minds. The three of us have a Hank Buck that we can award to our favorite fact and to decide who goes first among our science couch Participants here, Sari and Trace. We are going to go back and forth naming X-Men. And this is going to be judged by Sam. I'm so stressed out. (laughs) (laughs) My heart is beating so fast. (laughs) Trace, you go first because I think you have an advantage. Uh, I'm going to go with Cyclops. Sure. He's got a Mm. thing. Yep. Maybe the easiest one. one. That's a good one. Well, the second easiest one. Oh, gosh. Um, Jean Grey. Is one. Perfect. Um, Beast. Good. Uh, Quicksilver? Perfect. Wow, yes. yeah. A, a little bit more obscure. Yeah. obscure. I don't know what's obscure or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Professor X. That is one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. North Star? Oh, my gosh. Oh, Wait, North is North Star a I've never North heard Star? of this. I have this. to Google that. <laughs> I have to, too. North Star's in Alpha Flight, but I think I think he's a mutant. I think Alpha Ooh. Flight's all mutants. Uh, I'm going to go with Angel. Yeah, mutant. Perfect. He's got wings. From Buffy? But that's all he does. Yeah, Angel from Buffy. Yeah, yeah the, the, the vampire soul, mutant. soul demon <laughs> vampire. Flame boy. Flame boy? No. Human torch. <laughs> <laughs> you remembered. You can't just say flame boy and then come that. back after we say no. <laughs> okay, Trace, you go first. So uh, my science fact today is about your eyeballs. So in your eyeballs, you have rods and cones, and they enable you to see in the dark and also to see color. The rods do low-light vision, and the cones do color, Mm -hmm. and also spatial acuity, right? So we have three different types of cones, though. Mostly people just think of them as either one or the other, but there are three different um, types of cones, one for each of the major color groups that we can see. They're each sensitive to blue, green, or red. Now, Mm -hmm. those cones are coated by 
the X chromosome. That's Ooh. where they live. So that's why sometimes men specifically will be red-green colorblind. But only red and green are coded on the X chromosome by the OP1, OPN1 family of genes. Huh. And so the long is the red, the medium is greenish-yellow, and then the short is a blue. The name for that is trichromacy. It means three colors. And then that's why it's rare for people with two X chromosomes to have red-green color blindness, where people with XY have the regular sight sometimes and sometimes have a dichromacy or two-color sight. So that brings me to the blue receptor, which is coded on chromosome seven. And each of the cone gives you 100 shades. So 100 cubed, you get about a million colors if you're a trichromat. Mm -hmm. um, but because blue is separate, you could also have a mutation on the X chromosome of your red-green chromat or chromosome, giving you a shift not away from red-green, but into a different spectrum altogether. Oh. So then you can have four cones. So that would be called tetrachromacy, and the first evidence of it was in 1948. This is a thing that people can have? Humans, women wild. specifically, yeah. can have tetrachromacy. Oh, it's been also seen in a lot of different animal species. Sure. You know, mm -hmm. fish and like mantis shrimp have, mm -hmm. I think, five or something. It's crazy. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> four-coned women do exist. These different groups of people, uh, they think roughly 12% oh. of oh. women might be tetrachromats and not know heck? it, How? which is so cool. How do you Far know? into that range can they see? So it depends on your mutation, but they think essentially if you imagine 100 shades with four cones, you could see 100 million colors. So you can see potentially millions more shades than an average person. Mm. And the problem is, which I think is just amazing, we have trouble finding them because huh. they don't know that right. they're seeing more color. That's just how they live their life. So, so they write up said we would never be able to make a satisfactory match because the participant would be able to sense color gradations beyond those available on the test, which is great. <laughs> and I thought to myself, a dude wrote that. Yeah. Because <laughs> if a tetrachromat like, scientist created a tetrachromat test, mm -hmm. they could potentially see right. the same yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. So, so, you, so you have weird. to like find out that you're a tetrachromat yeah. somehow, either yes. through genetic testing or by being like, you can't tell the difference between those things? <laughs> right. Huh. Yeah. And so then there's this woman who's British who's an artist and has been interviewed a bunch because she's one of the tetrachromats who's like out there, I guess, one of those mutants. And she said, <laughs> quote, uh, when she looks at leaves, just like regular old leaves on trees, she sees around the edge, orange, red, or purple in the shadows. And you might see a dark green for you, but I would see violet, turquoise, and blue, like a mosaic uh, of different colors what? when she looks at leaves. Oh, and I'm just like, cool. what is mm. that? You just mm. crushed my dreams. I was like, maybe I am. Maybe I'm one of the colors that I have two X chromosomes. Uh, uh, but then, but I don't. But see all leaves, leaves like are that. normal. Yeah, leaves yeah. look pretty normal to me. <laughs> I'm good at those the gradient tests online where you can like let's sort mm. these colors by a uh, gradient. It's neat because it's like would be impossible. Color experience is so personal. Right. There's no yeah. way to know what someone mm. else sees, right? Yeah. So they said, well, even if you asked her to describe what she can see. It'd be like trying to describe red to someone who was born blind. Like, yeah. how do you describe that? Like any you know? color, or like yeah. what the fourth dimension looks like to us boring three-dimensional yeah. people. The thought like, do we all see the same colors as the same Ugh. colors? There's no way to know yeah. thought. 
uh, I feel like is one that everybody has at some point in their life, and it's just like, oh man, I gotta <laughs> tell my dad about this. <laughs> your so what you're saying is, <laughs> yeah, my dad. You don't go to your dad every time you have like a cool philosophical thought. No, he d- he texts me his a lot though. <laughs> <laughs> Sari, do you have a fact for us? No, I just didn't bring one today. <laughs> oh well, no, Trace. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a fact. I thought it would be fun. It's not funny. It was a bad joke. Cut it, Sam. No, I can't. It's too late. <laughs> okay, so a lot of the time when you hear about mutagens, uh, radiation comes up. Like, it's in all the superhero stories. Radioactive spider, radioactive gamma rays, or things like that. Mm-hmm. Cosmic radiation, we're worried about DNA damage from UV light. But chemical mutagens are really fascinating, too, because of all the ways that they can mess with cell biology in, like, multiple ways besides just damaging the DNA directly. So I'd like to introduce you all to a compound called colchicine, which is a toxic chemical found in purple flowers called the autumn crocus. Um, Specifically, it's an alkaloid, so one of those nitrogen-containing compounds. And humans, by and large, use it as a medicine. So some sources have said that it is mentioned in Egyptian medical texts to treat inflammation. um, And that's the main genre of things that it's useful for. Nowadays, it's in gout medication, which is a Mm. form of arthritis Mm -hmm. that involves inflamed joints um, or blood vessels swelling or things like that. And we've kind of narrowed down its mechanisms of action. The big thing that it does is mess with the formation of microtubules, Um, And microtubules are a structure that influence cell things like shape, and they can help cells move sometimes. They help with ion channel stuff. And really importantly, they help with cell division. And so during Mm. cell division and mitosis, chromosome segregation is a big part. So you replicate all the genetic material inside a cell. And then as the cell divides, you need to divide up that genetic material so you have two identical cells. And if something goes wrong in that process, usually bad things happen. Mm -hmm. Because colchicine influences uh, microtubules, it can mess up the segregation step. So uh, without microtubules, all the chromosomes could end up, like they'll get, everything will get replicated, and then all the chromosomes will end up in one of the daughter cells in mitosis, mm-hmm. and the other one will just be empty. Like, it doesn't split up. Whoa. Um, and that situation is called polyploidy, where you have more than the number of sets of chromosomes that you should have. So because it affects the genetic makeup of cells, papers call this... Uh, a mutagen, hmm. even though it's not a point mutation, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's it's not even a it's not even a mutation to the to the genome. It's just there's extra genome. It's like double the amount of genome every yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and so there's wow. mutagenic activity, and I assume that so in animals like humans. Having way too much genetic material in a cell is bad. It's very bad. Our bodies don't know what to mm. do with it. it. Means cell death usually. Yeah, but in plants. They're just chill with it for some reason. They're just fine with having multiple copies of their genome at once and can still survive. Good on you. Yeah. Or one of the big things that we've created because of it are seedless watermelons. That's how we got those. As is the question you got to ask is how do you get a seedless watermelon if you got no seeds? (laughs) So what they do is they dose, I think they soak seeds in colchicine solution to mess up the the cell division in a seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, watermelons normally have two copies of chromosomes, so they're diploid, like humans. Mm-hmm. And so if you dose them with colchicine, they'll end up with four chromosomes. So they'll be tetraploid like every time. instead of diploid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can cross a tetraploid watermelon with a diploid watermelon, 
and get a triploid watermelon that has three sets of chromosomes. Oh, wow. Wow. So kind of like you create a liger or a mule or anything that yeah, where the okay. chromosome uh-huh. mismatches. Uh-huh. And that watermelon is seedless because if you have an odd, uh, like so a mismatched set sterile. of chromosomes. Uh, yeah, it's sterile. It's a sterile watermelon. You have to okay. cross it every single time. Yes. Oh. Which is why being like a seedless fruit farmer is really, I don't know if it's more expensive, but it's more complicated. And that's it. That's the fact. So, like, the reason we have seedless watermelons is because of this mutagen. Weird. That's cool. That's neat. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So, we've got polyploidy watermelon seedless colchicine doped (laughs) stuff from Sari. From Trace, uh, we've got uh, tetrachromatic Ladies of the world have no idea how many colors they can see. Yeah. I have one question though. Wait a minute. So the thing with the watermelons, yeah. It's not exactly a mutation. They call it a mutation. Is that just because they don't have another thing to call it? I think it falls under the category of manipulating genetic material uh-huh. in a way that would happen by chance because it right. is a toxin it's, being okay. introduced yeah. into the cell. Okay. It's not like scientists controlled taking the chromosomes out and putting them in. Right. And I think they call it a mutagen because after this happens, there's probably crossover events that happen that where mm-hmm. the chromosomes can exchange information okay. and things like that. Okay, I'm going to give mine to Trace. <gasps> Ooh. It is very cool. I would give mine to Trace, too. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm going to give it to Sari because I like bathing seeds in no, I don't do this, but I like the idea that we do this, and we have to do this. Too. I, yeah, it's one of yes. Yeah, Stefan's got a whole bathtub full of culture scene at home. Uh, I like watermelon, and I like seeing stuff. So I think I'm gonna go with Trace. Okay, oh, I got some bucks. <laughs> I went from zero to two so quick. You did. Oh. Wow. It's time now for Ask the Science Couch, where we ask listener questions to our couch of finely honed scientific minds. I'm not on the couch today, so I don't have to do anything. <laughs> Sam, do you have the question for us? I do. At Mclextic asks, I've heard 17% of tardigrade DNA comes from other organisms. Do larger human-sized animals get DNA from other organisms as well? I'm going to rephrase the question. If I put a bunch of, like, snakes in my mouth, can I be part snake? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No. So unanimous vote. Yeah. I'm going to be a snake man. I mean, you would be a snake and a man. (laughs) So you can't just steal genes from whatever you want. You can't, like, walk around, eat a snake, touch a snake, touch a plant, and be like, I want that now. But... What this question is asking and what that what Hank's like rephrasing is asking, foreign DNA doesn't come from like the tardigrade coming in contact with another organism and mm-hmm. then incorporating that mm-hmm. into its genome somehow. It usually comes from microorganisms like bacteria or viruses that work by different mechanisms or like bacteria or viruses that use different mechanisms to incorporate their genetic material into another organism. So mm. with viruses, humans have a bunch of old viruses oh, yeah. in our DNA, which is wild yeah. to think about. It's so cool. Yeah. Those are evolutionary holdovers a lot of the time, I think. So I don't know if they've been incorporated recently, but probably way back in evolutionary time, whatever our ancestor was, was infected by a virus. And viruses can't replicate without co-opting a host's genome. So they integrate some of their genome inside. Mm. And if that is in a gamete, so like a sperm or an egg cell, 
that gets passed on to the next generation. As Usually part of the it kills the cell. But like yeah. if it happens to not kill the cell and if it happens to be in a gamete, then it's like, you got new DNA, friend. Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> You're the winner. <laughs> Some viral so DNA. <laughs> and so, so that's how viruses work. So viruses are a, like a separate class of thing mm-hmm. and yeah. they can insert the gen- genetic material. But bacteria can do this thing called horizontal gene transfer. Um, and so if you think of a parent having a child, that's vertical gene transfer, where you're passing it down through generations. And so horizontal gene transfer is passing genetic information within a generation. If you have a bacterium that somehow came up with a mutation that lent it antibiotic resistance, so when you spray it with an antibiotic, it doesn't die, then it could hypothetically, using horizontal gene transfer mechanisms, pass that gene on to a buddy and just be like, hey, friend, Here's this gene that will protect you from the antibiotic. Now we can all survive together. Here you go, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so horizontal gene transfer happens um, and, and has happened in the past. And with tardigrades, they're still like a relatively small and more simpler organism. And so... It, there are single-celled more... organisms bigger than tardigrades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it seems more likely that they would be influenced by horizontal gene transfer. Mm-hmm. But a big source of contention is whether that happens in animals like humans that are more mm-hmm. complex. Yeah. Because it would mean our whole idea of evolution is wild. Like, we have tons of gut bacteria in us. Are those bacteria giving us genes and inserting genes into mm-hmm. our somatic cells mm-hmm. and our stomach lining? And it's starting but to be—it's like literally who knows? Like, we actually don't know. Yeah. I vote yes, just because that would be awesome. <laughs> like, is that on the I'm science super couch? In. I'm We've super determined into it. it. If you want to ask the science couch your questions, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShowTangents, where we will tweet out the topics from upcoming episodes every week. Thank you to Geekly Unique, Patty Masha, and everyone else who tweeted us your questions this week. And now I have for you our final Hank Buck score. Sari, you have two. Trace, you have two. Sam, you have one. Mm. Stefan is this week's winner with Ooh, three Hank I bucks. Did it. Congratulations, Stefan. Thank you so much. <laughs> if you like this show and you want to help us out, it's really easy to do that. You can leave us a review wherever you listen. That is very helpful and lets us know what you like about the show. You can tweet out your favorite moments from the episode, which we always love to see. And finally, if you want to show your love for tangents, you can just tell people about us. Thank you for joining us. I have been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stefan. I've been Sam Schultz. I've been Trace Dominguez. You can find Trace at youtube.com slash Trace Dominguez, where he makes uno dos of Trace. Sideshow Tangents is a co-production of Complexly and WNYC Studios. It's created by all of us and produced by Sam Schultz and Caitlin Hoffmeister. Our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno, and we couldn't make any of this stuff without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you so much, and remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But, one more thing. Calipigy sheep are a type of sheep with a mutation that makes the sheep amass muscle around their butts instead of fat, <laughs> resulting in the sheep with extra super big muscly butts. The first known Calipigy sheep was a ram named Solid Gold. <laughs> <laughs> and all of his descendants have big muscly butts also. Calipigy uh, is the Greek word for beautiful buttocks. Ooh, gotta have one of those. Mm-hmm.